Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. you want to pay the lowest fee possible? Do you want to have an incentive-based fee structure? Do you want to pay full fees? And, and that's where we can be helpful, where the clients know that our objective is not to maximize or minimize fee. Our objective is to give the right advice. Issuing a convertible bond seems easy on the surface, but the more you learn, the more you realize how complex the structure is. For that reason, you simply have to have an independent convert advisor in your corner. You can be a great human being, and yet if you're uh, working for Bank X, your objective is to maximize profits for, for your firm. And so if you're doing a call spread, which is purely an arm's length transaction, every dollar that you make is a dollar that your client is losing. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. Most companies think of growth capital in terms of equity and debt, but increasingly convertible bonds provide an attractive middle ground. They offer significant flexibility, but with that comes significant complexity. Unlike an IPO process, fees can be opaque, legal restrictions can be onerous. Therefore, as a management team or board, if it's something you don't do every day, there's a real risk that any misstep could cost you millions. So who can help? Raj Mtiaz can. Raj has been advising on convertible issuance for 17 years, and he and his team at ICR Capital are experts given their long tenure at some of Wall Street's largest investment banks, as well as their experience on the advisory side of the table. We brought Raj in today to give us some context on the market, what makes converts different than debt and equity solutions, and why they've surged in popularity recently. Raj has the unique ability to demystify the structure and give advice that could save management teams millions. Let's enter the arena with Raj Mtiaz. I think it'd be helpful, Raj, uh, before we get into kind of what, what we do at ICR in terms of converts and what's happening in the market, maybe just to tell us a little bit about your um, your your background and, you know, kind of how you how you made it to uh, ICR. 
So I was born and raised in Bangladesh, and I came to the U.S. back in 1999 for my undergrad. Uh, went to school in Texas, and after graduation, I moved to New York. Uh, even though I did not have a finance background, somehow I ended up getting a job at Lehman Brothers. And one of my interviewers who saw that I had a lot of quantitative coursework connected me to the convertible and equity derivatives team. So that's how I ended in ended up in convertibles. Over the years, my responsibility has been to work with the C-suite of companies, understand their particular cap structure and financing needs, uh, and then delivering a solution that provides them attractive capital, but also something that is marketable to investors. One of those investors who stayed in the same group and same, doing the same products for my entire career so I joined Lehman as an analyst, and when I left Barclays, I was a managing director in the convertible team, leading our origination efforts across a number of sectors. Given the opaqueness of convertibles and equity derivatives, I always thought that clients could benefit from independent advisors. So super excited to be here with you. And uh, at ICR Capital, what I do is I work with companies, understand what they're looking for in terms of capital needs and cap structures, give them honest and thoughtful advice. And when they do a deal, they get a great deal done. You know, a lot of management teams, if they, you know, looking at a balance sheet of a client, um, you know, CFOs are, you know, pretty adept at maybe negotiating a bank deal and, um, you know, getting the debt part of the balance sheet set up. And, and maybe they've done an equity transaction, which certainly is, complex and they don't do it every day, but but management teams have kind of gone through that, gone through the IPO process. Converts is kind of a different animal. Why do you think companies need an advisor, especially as it relates to converts? So taking a step back, I would say uh, the question is, well, why, well, is, is a convertible instrument more complex than debt or equity? And the answer is yes, for sure. Um, think about three or four things what that make convertibles more complex. Availability of data, right? Um, most convertibles are privately placed 144A securities. And so sometimes you don't even know who the banks are that are doing the deal, let alone the fees and the splits and where the deal was launched in terms of price stock, uh, what was the credit spread volatility. So there is a there is opaqueness around data. Then structuring, one of the great things about converts is it's very flexible, but because it's flexible, you have an infinite number of options. Do you do a low coupon, low premium, high coupon, high premium convertible? Do you use a call spread? If so, which one of the three variations do you use? What settlement method do you use? Then think about something like accounting and tax. If you issue debt, it's 100% debt on balance sheet and your cash coupon is your interest. If in tax deduction is just your interest is deductible. Converse, you can structure it in a number of ways to get to different tax outcome, different accounting outcome. And then lastly, documents, because converts can be structured in many ways, the documentation could be different, and they're also very cryptic. So to give an example, if you're talking about a capped call or a call spread, a lot of times you'll see in the document, the document will refer to, let's say, the 2002 ISDA master, which is uh, the International Swaps and Derivatives Association 
contract and say, well, let's go to section X point Y and let's change the comma here or period there. And if you don't know the language, it's like reading something in a an entirely different language. Obviously, you you were on the on the sell side and um, were helping companies in that regard. You must have learned a lot. Why shouldn't a company just um, have their banker come in and advise them on how to do it? That's how the world used to be, let's say, five or ten years ago. And I would say, you know, if you have a good banker and you're a good company and you're super focused and you have all the time in the world, um, a, a lot of our CEO, CFO clients are phenomenal people. And so if they had all the time in the world, yes, they will get a good deal done. What I tell clients is that I have done converts for 17 years and the same is true for uh, my colleagues. And so uh, a document that takes one hour for someone to read takes us 10 minutes and we say, okay, well, this provision should be X and not Y. And and so, so that's one. But secondly, the conflict of interest, uh, you can be a great human being. And yet, if you're uh, working for Bank X, your objective is to maximize profits for, for your firm. And so if you're doing a call spread, which is purely an arm's length transaction, every dollar that you make is a dollar that your client is losing. And so, um, it's sometimes difficult to give objective advice. Or another example would be how many banks should we have on this deal? Well, if you are in a pole position in a deal, you want as few banks as possible so that you can maximize fees for your own bank. Maybe for the client, the advice, is, advice should be different. And so, Raj, the, the fee structure, in, you know, when, when a company goes public on an IPO, it's a pretty set fee you know, uh, 7%, whatever it is. And, and there's certainly some, uh, some money that the banks can um, reallocate back to companies for expenses. But with converts, it's like a very opaque pricing thing. So when you talk about being an advisor to a management team, when you help them negotiate a fee, like what could you potentially save a, 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 you know, a public company is doing a convert in terms of the fee structure and how to maximize those dollars that go to the banks helping you? We are very open with taking a step back. We have better data than not just clients and even data services like a Dealogic or Bloomberg. We have better data than most banks because we have all the data and not just data on the deals that one particular bank has done. So first of all, we can share proper and accurate fee data with the clients so that they know what is fair. And then we can talk about different types of fees. Do you want to pay the lowest fee possible? Do you want to have an incentive-based fee structure? Do you want to pay full fees? And, and that's where we can be helpful, where the clients know that our objective is not to maximize or minimize fee. Our objective is to give the right advice. And some clients, we're working on a deal where the client said, no, I want to pay fair fees. I just want the best execution. I want to reward my relationship banks. And that's okay. Uh, we then tell the client what that fee should be rather than someone saying, well, pay me this much. And you don't know, are you actually overpaying, underpaying? 
On the call spread side, where, again, it's an arm's length transaction, we can run a very tight bid process. So not only do we review the documentation and make sure that the provisions are all issuer friendly and there are no loopholes in the future where it could cost the CEOC a lot of money, we also today make sure that our clients get the best price. So in terms of fees, just just closing the loop on that, having someone sitting squarely on management side of the desk, helping them negotiate that, you know, they could potentially save seven figures. Yeah, particularly if you include the savings from capped calls on a $500 million deal, capped call savings would be five to eight million bucks. Yeah, it's incredible. And then Moving on to some of the legal language, and I think what was really eye-opening to me is we have an amazing team here at ICR, but uh, certainly we've, we've got the legal expertise on the team as well. And when you're papering up the whole transaction, you're talking about different loopholes and different language. Give me an example of language you know, that would be incorporated into those documents that could really hurt a management team down the road. So there are some change of control related languages. So if your company gets acquired for cash, the convertible goes away and what happens to the capped call? And there are some old languages that we have been at the forefront of fixing and and hopefully in five years, you will not see those languages anywhere, but those languages could cost you know, a $500 million deal, you initially pay the banks for the capped call, and then two years down the road, you get acquired. And the language in a cryptic way effectively says that you got to write another $100 million check to the banks. Yikes. And w- what I tell clients is that our job is to tell you what this provision is and what are the pluses and minuses and how you can fix it, how you can, and you cannot fix some of these 100%, but maybe you can fix 98% of them. And so that you are aware. And then in some cases, if you're a $50 billion company, the client might say, no, I know why this was structured this way. There are reasons behind these. And I'm okay with that, with a partial fix because I'm a $50 billion company, I'm not going to get acquired. Whereas if you're a billion dollar company, you may say, okay, this just is really expensive. We should go for a different alternative or let's just see how we can structure it so that we can pluck the loophole as much as possible. Over the past couple of years, converts have become an incredibly popular way to fund your business. I asked Raj for some context on why converts are so hot right now. I would actually take you a trip down the memory lane, or at least my memory lane. Um, Before the credit crisis, a lot of solid companies used to convert, used to do convert. So the Amgens and the Intels and the Medtronics and uh, the Schlumberger's of the world. And then after the credit crisis, several things changed. Valuations went down, equity valuations. So it was not that attractive to sell stock even up 30, 40, 50%. Interest rates were low. And that means that compared to straight debt, the savings from a convertible wasn't that great. To make matters worse, accounting rules changed and made convertibles uh, much more complex. And all these things created a vicious cycle where convert AUM went down, investors were not too excited, 
convertible banks didn't focus on convertible groups and convertible bankers and all these things just created a situation where fewer and fewer clients were issuing converts and so if you look at 2010 to 2019 average issuance volume per year was 40 billion that changed kind of later in the decade because pretty much all four of these things got unwound and in a perfect storm. So valuations were getting better, particularly if you look at the tech and SaaS space, very nice valuations. Accounting rules got unwound and convert is again simpler accounting wise and EPS treatment has gotten better. Interest rates while are still low, uh, what happened during COVID times last year was that for a lot of our clients, the convertible coupon was much more attractive than what was available in the straight debt market because of dislocation in, in the debt markets. And all these things created a, a virtuous cycle where new investors came in, market was hot. I mean, to give you a number, Tom, last year, if you put your own money in, the, in a convertible index, you'd have gotten a 50% return compared to S&P returning 18%. So just created a frenzy. And so last year issuance was 114 billion. This year we're on pace for annualized, I would say 9,200 billion. And I think for the next five to 10 years, I, I think it's going to be a pretty attractive product and there's going to be a lot of focus from investors and issuers. Uh, obviously existing public companies, uh, it's an option. They're being called on by bankers. But here at ICR, we do a ton of work with IPOs uh, through ICR Capital, and uh, it's worth mentioning that no, not only do we have a, a world-class uh, convertible and equity derivatives advisory practice, but we also have a world-class uh, equity practice where we're advising on IPOs every day. Once a company is public, either through an IPO and then obviously all the SPAC work we do, Raj, are those companies getting called on like right away by convert bankers once they're public uh, to to kind of assess the capital structure and maybe evaluate a convert? Particularly, there are certain sectors. So technology sector is the biggest sector to issue converts. So if you are a CEO or CFO of a tech company, uh, I bet right after IPO, and in some cases, even before the IPO, you will see convert bankers and they will introduce themselves. And then within a month or two of the IPO, you're starting to talk about convertibles because a yeah. big percentage of these companies issue converts in the first three years of the IPO, and many of them even in the first six to 12 months. And with convertibles, and this is something I tell all our clients, if you spend... I would say if you have three solid calls, you are educated enough to make some big decisions around structural nuances. And that way, on any given day, you're about two weeks from being able to issue a convertible. But if you haven't had those conversations, then let's say you want to do a deal. Well, you have to go to square one and answer questions like, which flavor of call spread do I want? What settlement method do I want? And so all the banks, what they want to do is they want to be the first ones to educate the clients on, on these nuances. And so if I'm a CFO, which I assume that's the person that gets the call, that pitch must sound really compelling because I would imagine in the initial pitch, you're not going down in the weeds on the complexity of it. You're getting a big picture 
what what is that pitch like if I'm the CFO and and you're the banker? Like, kind of how are you approaching me to to kind of dangle the carrot on how great this is? Well, the pitch is pretty simple, Tom. You may have heard from some of your peers. The convert market is pretty hot, and maybe you're not going to do a deal right now, but wanted to share some thoughts around why this could be attractive for you at some point. For most companies, right after the IPO, you're not getting rated. You want to focus on growth, so you want to have a large war chest. You don't want any financial covenants. Well, converts are very flexible. No ratings needed, no financial covenants. If you wanted to put some cash on your balance sheet, hard to say you should do 5% coupon debt or dilute your shareholders by 10% and issue equity. Converts, on the other hand, coupons are sometimes 0% in the last two years, 60 or so deals had a 0% coupon. So no interest, you can buy an insurance policy and increase the no dilution point to as high as up 100, up 150% from today's level. So why wouldn't you think about this, Tom? 0% coupon, no dilution until stock doubles, raise a billion dollars, put it on your balance sheet. You're in much better position to go after targets compared to your competitors. And oh, your competitors are also doing something similar. So you need to position yourself uh, competitively. That's the pitch. <laughs> All right. So Raj, I hope you don't go back to the sell side because I'm sold <laughs> um, on that. But, um, but the interesting thing is, okay, I hang up the phone. I'm all pumped up. I go into my CEO, talk very big picture on those um, bullets that you just listed out. And then, you know, you have the next board meeting and, you know, you start getting peppered with questions and you realize as a CFO, you have really no idea of the nuances of of this kind of structure. To me, that's, you know, obviously what we've talked about already today. And when you put yourself in the CFO's shoes, you just have to have someone sitting next to you to hold your hand through this transaction because it's so complex. Um, but at the same time, it, it seems like a no-brainer to go for it, right? What I would say is that one of the things we take a lot of pride in is uh, we have a one-hour presentation called Why You Should Not Do a Convertible. We don't want any of our CFO clients to go to the board and uh, get those questions without being prepared. And so while the pluses are really solid, and that's why a lot of companies are coming to the market, there are negatives that you have to be aware of. And what I tell clients is that some of the negatives can be fixed, and some you just have to accept. And you just know which one is which, and then ask yourself the ones uh, I cannot fix, can I live with those, and then have an answer ready if questions come up. Raj, maybe you could share with us a specific example um, in your advisory role, like where you've really saved a company, you know, either a ton on fees or getting them out of trouble in terms of uh, some of the legal language or both? There are so many examples I can think of, but maybe one of our recent deals where uh, we worked with the client, we were in charge of kind of liaising with the law firms to bulletproof the documents and banks showed many different structures. We had a specific recommendation for one particular call spread structure, which 
gave the company a lot of flexibility in the event of not just change of control, but what happens if you want to take out the convertible in a few years? And so, so that, if and when that happens, I mean, it will be tens of millions of savings. But then on the convertible itself, we did a lot of analysis on credit thesis, and we told we shared our thesis with the banks. And so the banks actually, the lead bank, launched the deal with our recommended credit spread and not what they initially thought would be the credit spread. And that thesis played out and the market uh, agreed that that was the right credit spread, the deal price better than the best end. So that was, uh, call it about 1% of theoretical value savings, seven, eight million bucks call spread we bid out on the day of the deal. And uh, that was another 100 to 150 basis points of savings, so call it 10 million or so. So this was a deal where altogether, uh, I would say easily 20 odd million of savings for the client. They were ecstatic. and That's like real money. Yeah, and one of the greatest compliments was um, the CFO called me and said, we knew that we needed your help. We just didn't know how much. Right. And they, they've been very kind to introduce us to other clients. It's a very educational thing, right? Because people don't know what they don't know. And most management teams are amazing at building their business and creating value. But, you know, they don't do converts every day. And it's just such a murky and opaque uh, area sometimes. Raj, my last question is, um, I know at ICR Capital and in the convert group, when, when a uh, a management team uh, is going to issue a convert, we can be super helpful. But I know we'll do uh, work around kind of uh, capital structure analysis, kind of like uh, almost an audit. I don't know if it's exactly an audit, but you'll go in and, um, you know, it's all part of the education process. Maybe just lay out if a company isn't doing a convert and they're looking to get educated or they just want some advice on the capital structure, what do you all do? Uh, when you go into a company, which I think personally every company should go through the process. But what do you guys do in that situation? So, and taking a step back, Tom, so what is interesting is uh, most convert bankers or many convert bankers are also uh, well-versed in capital return um, because every bank has share repurchase bankers and they tend to be in the convertible team. And so in my case, where I came from, I was both the convertible banker and share purchase banker. And also we used to do other complex hedging and monetization. So drawing on that experience, what we do is we talk to clients. And recently we had a situation where the client said, we would like you to come and analyze our cap structure and look at our cash flows and tell us whether we should consider buying back shares should we uh, pay dividends? How should we think about capital return? There is a, another client, he said, look, I probably won't issue a convertible, but we want to hire you to think through whether we should do something. And if we do it, whether it should be debt, because um, we do have access to the debt markets and we want you to run an analysis to compare the debt alternatives to the convert alternatives. And and also I want to understand all the negatives of, of a convertible. And, and um, sometimes I get this question, which is, that, well, but you don't get paid if we're not doing a convertible because generally the way the fee structure works is a success-based fee, but sometimes clients actually pay us for a project. And then what I 
tell clients is, um, look, we are not a bank. We don't provide research. We don't provide credit. All we provide is advice. And if we are not providing you the most honest, the smartest, best advice, you're not going to talk to us. And so, so that's what we do. We want to work with them and understand their particular needs and then give them solutions around and suggestions around their cap structure. Yeah, because, you know, we're not an investment bank and we don't pretend to be one, but we're there um, sitting on the company side of the table providing advice. We don't have an axe to grind as to what transaction that they do. We just want them to create equity value for their shareholders. And it's very interesting uh, to your point on this, this topic about going in and analyzing the cap structure. At the end of the day, for a public company, you're going to be judged whether you like it or not by your stock price, by your ability to create equity value. And that's all about capital allocation. And if you don't get that right, you're going to get an activist shareholder potentially, and a lot of things can go south. It's going to take 20% of your time. Management team could lose their job. There are a lot of, a lot of things, you know, there's a, there's a lot of incentive to have those conversations to make sure that the capital structure is right, looking through the eyes of someone who was on the sell side or can dissuade companies from making a bad decision that would jeopardize their capital allocation and their returns to shareholders. And, um, you know, if you go through that exercise and maybe even just to check it against the banker's work, that'd probably be like the smartest thing you could ever do. So one point I would mention there is that a lot of times our clients forward kind of just ideas that bankers have shown and just say, hey, Raj, what do you what do you think about this? So that's something we do every day. Yeah. Well, cool, Raj. Listen, this is a real eye opener. Thanks for all the hard work at ICR. It's a super exciting area, one where we can add value and then obviously integrate it with the uh, the communications that we do, the investor communications, business financial media, and other things to really amplify the impact of the transaction. That's what makes us different. And uh, Raj, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Of course. Thank you so much, Tom. And thank you everyone for listening. Take care. Convertible bonds are clearly an attractive financing option. It's why the market has exploded over the last few years. And given what's at stake, it's just common sense for management teams to have a guide whose motivations are completely aligned with theirs. That's what Raj and the ICR Capital team does every day. I'd like to thank Raj for joining us. He makes complex issues more understandable and simple, which is high praise in the financial world and high praise in the convertible bond world. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast. It really helps. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behaviors. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.